Hello and welcome to Connected. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm your, your host. I live in the South, so my voice is different from that of my co-host. I'm going to introduce them in a second, though. I'm going to leave them hanging out there where I tell you this episode is brought to you by our fine sponsors, ExpressVPN, FreshBooks, and Bombas. This is an even episode. So even episodes means Federico gets to go first. Hi, Federico. Hi, man from the South. Is that is that a new That's, thing? I don't know. It just it just came out. And it's an odd episode next week. So this week, Mike has to wait till last. Mike, how are you? I'm from the South, too. You're from the South of the North Pole. I'm, from, I'm in the South of London. Hmm. You can't... We're an international show. You can't just say, I'm from the South. Well, you can if you're American-centric, like many people in the world are. Right, well, but that's the, but that's a problem, though. You need to accept I, the everybody. From the American Hey, just, don't pin me. Don't pin me down. This show has two-thirds non-American hosts. That's true. So, take that. You need to accept the reality that other continents exist. I yeah. accept it. Who do you think you're talking to? I'm not Casey. Well, you know, but you, but you just said the South. The American... Uh, fine. Right? You said it. We're only doing this because of what you said. It's like, it was a decision you made. You know, you, it wasn't even a decision. It was coming out of my face. I was like, I don't know what's happening. It's just... Your brain made the decision. Yeah. I've had a very... Uh, is that how you produce podcasts? Very strange couple of days. It's coming out on the show. Strange is good. We like a little bit of strange around here. Who doesn't? We are going to start with follow-up. <laughs> first, fo- first follow-up. <laughs> You okay? You good? You ready, yep. to move, ready to move on? Mm-hmm. The first point of follow-up involves the Apple Watch. We've been we're talking about this, I don't know, for two years now, about how the new watches seem to have pretty mediocre battery life. S- some people have reported a pretty good increase in battery life by restoring the watch and setting it up as new. Last week, I promised that I would do that to my wife's watch. We just moved her from a Series 3 to a Series 5, and I just, I just restored it from the backup because it was pretty easy. And as, as a sidebar, that whole process is way better than it used to be because the health stuff syncs with iCloud now, so you're not going to lose things. Like, way better than it used to be. And the way that she uh, put it to me just a few minutes ago is that restoring it made the watch battery life acceptable, but not great. Like, it's I think she it's still not as good as her Series 3, but it's way better than it was. So you may have luck with that. It, it's really not too bad to restore a watch from nothing. Like there's not that much stuff, right? It's not like setting up a phone. So maybe you'll have luck with that. Uh, it does seem like some more people have reported that the watch OS 6.1 beta is really what is going to to make this better for everybody. That'll be out at some point. I'm not going to put a beta version of watch OS on her watch because that process is really scary. But it's uh, hopefully coming, so you may have luck. You know, if you restore it and set it up as new, it seemed to help her. But I don't think that's a a guarantee. I mean, clearly this is like some weird, weird software bug that affects people differently, and hopefully Apple has a fix for it out pretty soon. I've been running the six point one beta. It's fine, really. Um, battery is good. The installation process is still terrible, honestly, mm-hmm. but it's fine. Um, the I just I had one issue a few days ago. Um, I was out with my friends um, at dinner, and I noticed that the watch started uh, draining the battery faster than usual. 
Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, it must be because uh, there's poor reception here. But then I thought about it and realized it doesn't really matter because I have my phone with me. So it, it's definitely not like like when you're in a place with poor reception, your phone would start draining the battery faster because it's yeah, trying ab- to find the network. Absolutely. But that but that doesn't it's not like that with the watch. The watch was paired to my phone. So I have no idea why that particular mm. night the watch <laughs> was draining the battery faster. But that was the only instance. Uh, maybe it was doing some weird things that day. I have no idea. But otherwise, it's been okay. I'm not suggesting that you put a beta on Mary's watch. No, that seems... I'm not going to... I mean, that does not seem like a, a, a good idea to me. Uh, I don't even know how you do it. I mean, I guess you... Does the phone have to be on the iOS beta? Uh, no. Uh, you go to the developer website. Aren't you not supposed to have the watch and iPhone out of step, though? I, I, I think if you have a watch beta, you should also be running the concurrent beta version of ios that's what that's what i thought too but i've never done it yeah underscore told me that once like that you you shouldn't i mean it's not an impossible thing to do like i think you can do it but it is advised not to do that like to have them kind of in lockstep i think it's it's advised but i'm pretty sure that i've had my phone unstable on a stable release and the watch on a bit and vice versa before Uh, i think it is allowed unless you're doing things like let's say for example that you're keeping ios 12 on the watch and you want to put on the phone and you want to put watch os 6 on the watch that is not possible because you got you likely need to install 13 but for a point uh release beta I think it's possible to stay okay. behind, but it doesn't really matter for me because I'm also on the 13.2 beta. Hey, where's my emoji? What about your emoji? I feel like we should have emoji now. Where are no, they? You're too you're too early. It's usually the the like a point update like thir- we've already had one of those. No, but thir- iOS 13 was a dumpster fire, so you have to discount the first point <sighs> update because they just fixed <sighs> it. So- Somebody call Jeremy. <laughs> Let me present you with exhibit A, your honor. Okay. I was browsing Instagram yesterday, and I noticed that Mr. Jeremy Burge yes. is in America. Yes. And not only is he in America, he's at Apple. Uh, maybe he brought the emoji to Apple. Maybe he did. Oh, maybe. He has to hand deliver them. Here you go. <laughs> and then off he goes. Is this Santa emoji. He's yeah. like, have you been good kids around okay. here? Uh, I have exhibit two. Your honor. This is what we're doing now. Yeah. B, because I started with A. So item uh, 8.5. <laughs> so in 2017, in October, October 6, 2017, Apple announced iOS 11.1 with new emoji. This is my point. It is both point one and October. Uh, quit interrupting me, your honor. <laughs> is, that how, is that how court? It's not the honor. It's overruled. Hey, I'm the chief Ricky. So I will speak when I want to. Then don't call me your honor. Like it doesn't grant you judicial benefits. Oh, I think I think you need to read the contract, my friend. <laughs> in 2018, iOS 12.1 had a new emoji, and that was announced on October 2nd. So it is time. My, th- I mean, so look, 13.1. I think you can just discount because 13.0 was so bad and wasn't even on every device. So my assumption would be that it would be in 13.2. So maybe we see this sometime next week and there's a 13.2 beta that includes them for the first time because uh, it, it is it's about right. Don't they uh, to my memory, the beta doesn't never has the emoji in them like it just it's put in the GM. Is that yeah, right? No, they do, because we always end up installing the beta for the new emoji. And there's always a period uh... where your emoji are broken for other people. 
Oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. So maybe there'll be a new 13.2 beta, or maybe it'll be 13.3. Maybe that'll come out, you know, in in the next couple weeks, too. Or maybe it's like, it's always like 0.2 points, like beta 2 or something. Like, it's not like the, it tends to be pretty soon, right? Yeah. Isn't that right? Uh Uh-huh. So I think that it is, uh, it's definitely due any day now, maybe. It could be, today could be new emoji day. Uh, Wouldn't that be a good day for everybody? Which, by the way, the new emoji means that we're soon going to play a game. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> yeah, get ready, everyone. You know what emoji means? It means Federico's getting another weird tattoo. That's what <laughs> <I know. laughs> well, um, I haven't looked. I promised you guys I wouldn't look at the emoji preview a few months ago mm-hmm. and i didn't look Good. i think i only caught a, gr- a glimpse of a couple of them i already forgot honestly so me too um i am completely new to uh what is going on with emoji this year so it should be fun it's gonna be great oh i'm so excited yeah. i'm ex- me too I, that's my that's one of my favorite episodes all year we only did it one time right it was still a favorite i'm not i'm not, it's, I'm not saying like i'm not just trying to uh, really unnecessarily correct you i'm asking the question <laughs> we only did it once yeah okay well okay. actually we only did it once federico you have been on a deep fusion world tour explaining deep fusion to everybody so you hung out with our friend tyler stallman on his podcast on episode 66 of the stallman podcast uh that is in my queue i've not made it to that yet but how did that go and do you have any um Anything else about Deep Fusion that we want to address here? Well, it's more like Tyler explained Deep Fusion to me, uh, really. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't do, I didn't do much explaining. Uh, no, that was a fun conversation, especially because I um, I have the 13.2 beta on my phone, but I wasn't really sure how to understand, like, when is Deep Fusion being triggered and, like, what's the way to think about Deep Fusion and Night Mode and Smart HDR, sort of this three modes that the camera now supports, but only one of them is not actually shown in the UI, which would be Deep Fusion. So um, that was a fun conversation, and, and it sort of a, it clarified for me um, a lot of a lot of the, the, the challenges that I've had with the camera app. Um, so ever since I installed the beta and since talking to Tyler, I disabled uh, capture outside of the frame, yeah. Um, because I really wanted to, I really want to make sure that whenever possible, all my pictures are using Deep Fusion. Um, that's unfortunate because I really like the idea of having this extra data available. But until I'm guessing the iPhone 12 or whatever, this is not going to be possible uh, because the two features cannot coexist. So um, I've been uh, listening to uh, you know Tyler's recommendations and i've been working on something uh related to photos um that's been really challenging for me and it took a bunch of time and organization and i know that it sounds extremely uh vague right now but it should be fun and it should be ready very soon um so hopefully we're gonna talk about it in the next couple of weeks that's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys have seen a preview. Um, it should be fun. It's something that I've never done before. And it's something that I hope sort of becomes a tradition for me. So I should have a... It should hopefully be out in the very near future. 200,000 words. It's See, it's not going to be that long text-wise. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. 
Famous last words, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I'm excited to see it. I, I have not put the beta on my phone. I'm just sort of, I'm sort of tired of running betas at this point, but I am really looking forward to seeing this because it's in this weird mode between like night mode is going to go off, but it's still like too much light for that, like sort of that zone where I think we're going to see this the most often is like just shooting pictures in our houses, right? Like taking a picture of somebody yes. at the dinner table. Like yeah. that I'm excited about because those pictures always look sort of just okay. But it's like and, in uh, an interesting way, like these are the photos that are most important to most people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is just very simple, just photos like around the dinner table or whatever. Like th- mm-hmm. these are the photos that actually matter to people. Totally. And so that, that I think is going to be really fun. And I will disable shoot outside the frame for that benefit, even though it does make me sad because I, I do like the idea, as you said, of having that data there. Mm-hmm. But I think Deep Fusion is going to win out for most people, which is why I think it's off by default, because I think most people will benefit more from Deep Fusion than being able to crop out a little bit. Yep. Um, Moving. Oh, oh on one yep. last thing on Deep Fusion. I just wanted to sure. recommend a YouTube video that I really liked that helped explain it to me, which was uh, TOD Today, Jonathan Morrison. He did a good explainer video, kind of. And that, that was where I understood a lot more about what it was. He did a better job of explaining the benefits of uh, Deep Fusion than Phil Schiller did, <laughs> which was kind yeah. of hilarious. So, But it's a really good video. So if, you're, if you want to get a little bit more explanation, uh, then I really recommend going and checking that out. Yeah, he does great work. Like if you're not mm. subscribed to his channel, you should totally yep. do it because he does a lot of Apple stuff, but he co- he covers other stuff too. I just I'm a I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Me too. And, and he's a real nice guy. Look, it's just the week of tiny topics and then one giant topic. We're not out of the follow up yeah. zone yet. Yeah, there's just a lot of little things this week and then one big thing. But before we move on, let me tell you about our first sponsor. That is our friends over at ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is a reliable way to ensure that your network data, what you're doing on the internet, is secure without slowing down your internet speed, which is absolutely critical. Some of these services slow you down so much you just get frustrated and throw your hands up. But if you've ever used Wi-Fi at a hotel or someplace in public, you're sending data over an open network with no encryption. And that's sort of scary because bad people can bypass Wi-Fi security and get your information by exploding flaws like crack, which is a key reinstallation attack. I don't think I understand that, but it sounds bad. The best way to ensure your data is encrypted and can't be read is by using ExpressVPN. It's super easy. You download the app on your computer, smartphone, tablet, and then you just use the internet as you normally would. You simply click a button in the app or in iOS, it's even wired into the VPN switch in settings, and you're secure. ExpressVPN is the fastest and most reliable and they're recommended as the number one VPN provider by TechRadar and CNET. They take privacy and security to the next level. They even invented a new technology called Trusted Server to ensure that VPN servers run from RAM, so there's no data logs written to a server's hard drive, even by accident. That's one reason it's so fast. I've used ExpressVPN anytime I'm not on my home network. If I'm at the coffee shop, today I went to go buy uh, a friend of mine's business and was on my phone and I connected because you know there's a public business, there are a bunch of people there. I want to make sure that I'm uh, safe and sound with the greatest peace of mind possible. If you want the best in online security and privacy protection, head over to expressvpn.com slash connected for three extra months free with a one-year package. 
Protect your internet today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash connected to get started. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. Hey guys, listen to this. Listen to this. Do you know what that is? Did you crack your knuckles? That's a folding phone, my friends. It's uh, here. The sound it makes? Yeah. I mean- there you go. It's sign- It's significant. Yeah, I can do it with one hand. I picked up the Galaxy Fold last night. I've been publishing some images and some short videos uh, on my Instagram. I do not yet have enough thoughts to share. I have not been able to put all my thoughts together yet. Okay. Um, so on next week's episode, we will be talking about the Galaxy Fold. So you're going to share a comprehensive review? I will share a set of thoughts, <laughs> which are mine, uh, in, let's imagine, kind of like the TVOS review. Let's say it'll be like which, that. Which was great. You Thank did you. a great job with that. Thank you very much. I hope that I can do a, a good enough job uh, again. But. Okay. I'm excited to to hear more about it. I've enjoyed watching your stories about it. I, I will say, and we'll get into it, but my initial impression is that that front outside screen just makes me sad every time I see it. Like, it's a funny little thing, that, that screen. A, I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a funny little thing. It's not thing. great. Um, I mean, some, sometimes you see a product and you know instantly what will be better about the future version. And that's what it is for, for me. That is even more than the inside screen, right? Which has, has yeah. levied a lot of criticism. Uh, I am in complete agreement with you that the thing that will improve faster is the outside screen than the inside screen because it is a usable thing, but mm-hmm. it's kind of hilarious. But we'll get there next week. I don't. I, that's just been what I think about every time I see it. Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have a question for y'all. Has Google Docs been updated to include multi-window support? No. Yes. No. Has it? Oh, <laughs> don't do that to me. I was so excited. <laughs> no i have been checking the update notes now which i normally don't look at and it's kind of a pain in the rear to get to the update section in the app store now unless you like haptic touch on the icon and there's a shortcut uh under the app icon to do it but like going through the app store it's like three or four taps now to get to that which i guess they're just trying to downplay it but it's um it's frustrating to have to dig through it it is frustrating because I don't like to have automatic app updates. Like, really? Yeah. Wow. I, I want to see what's happening to applications. Like, I don't want to just open them and then be surprised by what is there. Exactly you- what Mike said. I do keep automatic updates on the second iPad, which mm. I use for reading or watching movies or playing games because I okay. like that's the second iPad, but my primary one. And on the iPhone, I keep them disabled. Okay. Do you let it badge so you, you see how many are available and you go in and check or do you just open it every couple of days? I let it badge, but you, you typically you have to refresh it. I probably go like every day, just like as like a habit. Like I'm looking for some you know, like I'm you know when you're looking at your device, you're like, I don't know what to do right now. It's like, oh I'll check the app store. So Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I created a custom icon on the home screen that runs my shortcut to open the updates page directly. Nice. A couple of times a day, I tap on the icon and I go to the update screen and I pull to refresh. And mm-hmm. it's also nice that in thirteen you can you can delete apps from from the updates uh, from the updates page itself 
you can just swipe to the left and you can delete an app from there. Yeah, that's a nice feature. It's also easier to get to your subscriptions. That's now in settings. So the shortcut I had for that is sort of gone out the window for me. I wanted to talk briefly about the rumors of an iPhone SE 2. I would have said in the past that was a bad iPhone name, but you guys have iPhone 11 Pro Max phones. So all bets are off. I think this is a really interesting story because I think there's still people out there because every time I talk about this, I hear you know people say, oh, I love my SE because they really like the older five-inch form factor. But, or four inch, how big is that phone? Four inch screen? That is not what this is. So this is taking the idea of the SE. So the SE came out, it was the guts of the iPhone 6S, but in the chassis of the iPhone 5S. This is seemingly going to be a similar thing. Some of the iPhone 11 in the body of the iPhone 8. So it is SE, like sort of a classic design at this point, but it's not going to be the old smaller form factor. It's going to be the same size is the 6, 6S, 7, and 8. I find this really interesting. My wife used an iPhone SE, and, and then I bought her an iPhone 8 because her SE was just falling apart. She wanted a better camera. And she sees the types of pictures I can take, but she doesn't want – she doesn't like Face ID and the gestures. I, I moved her to an iPhone 10 for a little while, and it was one of the few times that she was like – I actually voice like a strong opinion about technology. Most of the time she's like, just whatever. She's like, I don't like this. I want a, a home button. And so she's on an iPhone 8 and it would be great if there's an iPhone SE 2 because it's the same size she already has, but, you know, better CPU, much better camera. The rumor is a single lens camera, which makes sense. This would be a cheaper phone. I think this phone would do really well. And I think if you're still holding on to the iPhone SE size, like, I love y'all, but it's time to move on. Like the world is, has moved on from that size. This is not what this is going to be. Yeah, Apple's not going to make it. Someone might make it, but Apple's not going to be the company that makes that type of device anymore, I'm afraid to, to tell you. Yeah, which, I mean, it, I, I, I understand that really stinks if that's what you're into, but I, it's just time is, has moved on from that, that form factor. But I think it'll do well, I, I, you know, it seems like there's maybe some stuff lining up for a spring event. We can talk about that maybe next time. But I think this could be uh, a spring release. The, the original iPhone SE was, uh, you know, mid-cycle to the 6S. And I think there are a lot of people who have an iPhone 6S or maybe a 7 who would just want to stay with what they know. And this would be a nice option, especially if it's cheaper than the iPhone XR is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much cheaper it's going to it will realistically be like the SE to my memory wasn't that much cheaper, right? No, it, it basically slotted in as, as the lowest price point, but not by much. Yeah. And right now you can get an iPhone eight, uh, in the U S, uh, starting at, I'm waiting for the page to load, uh, starting at four forty nine. It looks like mm. uh, for the 64 gigabyte model. So maybe this is 379 or, or 399 mm-hmm. uh, because the eight, well, I guess it depends if they replace the eight or not in the line. If they just replace the eight with this, then it will be the 449 price point. But right. maybe they position it a little bit lower. Maybe it starts at 32 gigs instead of 64 for like a really entry level price and, and you know, markets outside the US. But it'll be interesting to see the relationship between the eight and the SE because they're going to look the same, assumedly. And even with a single camera, maybe it's confusing. I don't know. But I, I find it interesting. I think they should do this because there are people who want a home button 
who want Touch ID, who want something cheap, but the iPhone 8 now is two years old and maybe they want something that is uh, is better, faster, better camera. So I'm a fan of this this move by Apple and hopefully it, it pans out for people who want something without Face ID. I have a controversial opinion that I shared on Twitter and it didn't, it was very, very interesting. This came about because a bunch of apps have been adding dark mode. I've been using dark mode on my phone actually quite a bit. I don't like it on the Mac. I don't like even like it on the iPad, but I kind of like it on the phone. Apps have been slowly moving to it. And this thought came to me after Instagram added dark mode this week, which wasn't in their release notes. They just did it as Instagram does. And uh, it's got pure black background. And that does a couple of things. It really makes the pictures pop in a way that's like sort of, to me, a little overwhelming. But I find, this is my opinion, let me underline that, is that I prefer dark modes that use a dark gray color, like the lighter dark mode in Overcast or in, I think, um, Hello Weather does it and a couple others over true black, which on OLED, like, okay, so here's it. Here are all the tweets I've gotten back. You're an idiot. OLED with black saves battery, whatever. <laughs> Did someone if say you, you're an idiot? Uh, someone, yeah, they're like, oh, it's, it's because you can save energy, moron. Like, it was one of those things that went wide and it was like beyond, uh. um, my normal followers. Although some of those have called me idiot suit, which is totally fair sometimes, but it's, um, I like the look of the gray because even though it's a slightly less contrast, I find the really high contrast of like pure black and then pure white text actually a little off-putting and a little hard to read. And I like something a little bit lighter. So like on 512 pixels, the dark mode there, I actually sampled the dark mode color used in Mac OS itself. And I used the same color. So does Jason Snow I actually use the same background color in our dark modes for our sites. And I find that easier to read and less jarring than true black. And I'm really curious what the two of you think. I am mostly of the belief that true black is my preference. Like, not wait, I don't know why I said that. True black is my preference. <laughs> That's what I prefer. Uh, even on iPad, I turn it on because then I like visual consistency of what I'm seeing on my iPhone. I prefer if I'm going to have a dark mode, I want the dark mode to be dark, not just gray. Um And I love the dark mode on Instagram. I think it looks exactly as I wanted them to make it look. Uh that's just, that's my feeling on things. Sorry to say, Stephen. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, um, sometimes uh, I guess it depends. So, on Mac stories, I'm using uh, a dark gray, just like five, twelve, and six colors. Some apps, I do believe though that the true black is beautiful and really helps the content pop. So, whether it's Instagram or Apple Music or, you know, we've seen other media-heavy apps use True Black, and I think it's really functional uh, to, to that, to, to make sure that uh, artwork or photos or um, thumbnails can really pop off the screen. Mm-hmm. I do not... So I've been seeing some conversations around, uh, mostly on Twitter, of people complaining about uh, True Black is bad because of the OLED smearing is that the name of uh, Mm -hmm. the the issue um and really and this may be my controversial opinion here i do believe that people like most people will never notice all that smearing in real life it Mm. is something it's a designer problem and the, the it is my opinion that 
the people who talk about and discuss uh, OLED smearing are the same people who notice and com issues and complain about SF symbols. Um, I don't see it. Like I, I've been really, tr I've been really trying to see the issues with SF symbols. Maybe it's my eyesight that has gone terribly bad over the past couple of years. I honestly don't see issues in those glyphs. Like I just don't see it. I'm sorry. All it's mirroring. Yes, I kind of see if I really pay attention to it. But if I'm if I'm just using an iPhone, I never see it. I don't even know what I'm looking for. It looks beautiful. It's black and white. And yes, I agree. For long form text, it's not ideal. It's too high contrast and it may be a little too tiring on the eyes uh, for longer reading sessions. But for Instagram, I mean, you're just going to read a few captions and a few usernames. It's totally fine and it looks great. And it looks beautiful on the OLED display because it's, actu it's actually true black. So uh, some apps like my RSS client or Mac Stories, well, Mac Stories is not an app, but you get the point. In some, <laughs> in some contexts, I do prefer dark gray, but you know, shorter uh, bits of text like Twitter or Instagram, I keep uh, the true black enabled because it's, and I prefer it because it's beautiful. I mean, my thought is if you are going Opinion to... Opinion is not that controversial. Steven. No, I don't think it is either. Uh, other people responded, you're the only one who thinks that or everyone thinks that way. So I retweeted it, but both examples of that because it made me laugh. <laughs> I, I actually really like the way that TweetBot and Overcast do it where you have options, right? So like uh, Overcast, you have like a a dark mode, then you have like a basically pure black mode. And I think if you're going to build themes into your app, giving users options, not only to set it against or with the system setting, like we spoke about a few weeks ago, or pure black or gray, because like on an LCD, like an iPhone 11, the gray actually may look better than the true black, because sometimes that's a little weird on an LCD. So I think having the options is nice, but it is good to see major apps adopting dark mode faster than I think people anticipated certainly than i than i anticipated all right mike how is reminders treating the hurley household hey uh sorry about that little interruption somebody we won't say who <laughs> but but it wasn't me or mike their power went out while we were recording so steven i think you'd asked me about reminders i did so so how you are using it. You and I both talked about switching to it. Um, how's that going? I have not done anything with it yet. Uh, and I want you guys' opinions on this. But I did want to just recount okay. a little story. Because uh, I encouraged Adina to, to upgrade Reminders. Because she uses Reminders. And I was like, well, you should try uh, trying out the new Reminders app. Like She uses Reminders in Fantastical but never uses the Reminders app. She'd never use the Reminders app because the Reminders app was not good before, but she liked the Reminders functionality inside Fantastic Account. It's like, oh, you should check out the new Reminders now. So she opened it up and uh, she initially, which I thought was hilarious, immediately just pressed a button to dismiss the upgrade, right? <laughs> like, like without even looking, she was just like, no. And I was like, uh, no, wait, no, you want to do that. So we went back in and there was a button, a little blue button, pressed upgrade. All of her reminders deleted immediately. Yep. And then very slowly came back. What is this user experience? That it's is really an bad. unacceptable user experience to make people believe you have deleted everything. Like, 
Fake it. Just fake it. Keep them on the screen. Even if in the background, iCloud is copying them from the old. Show me a screen with a spinner. Yeah. <laughs> until it's done. But like showing me there were 22 reminders. Now there are zero reminders is an unacceptable way to treat your users. Agreed. Like that was bananas to me because it doesn't warn you. Right. No, you don't get told that that's going to happen. And if that is what is intended to happen, that is wild. If it was an accident, fine, but I doubt it. Um, and But that is just like a, a really just an upsetting way to do an upgrade of anything is to make you think you've lost it all. Um, still having iCloud related issues. So you may remember. Uh, yeah. So they just they came back recently. So I should say. I am now using the public stable version of Catalina, the stable version of iPadOS, but I have the beta of 13.2 on my phone. Um, my notes are not syncing correctly between the iPhone and other devices anymore, um, which shouldn't happen because there's no f format change right between the beta uh, of 13.2 and 13.1 so it's not like i'm trying to sync between th uh, 13 and 12 for example um but i'm using a beta so there you know maybe that something is going on um and it's even weirder because like if i wait a day or two eventually i will see the notes like the same notes appear on on my ipad or on my iphone and vice versa but right now i'm uh my ipad is missing four or five notes i think and this is part of a bigger discussion um two points that i wanted to make first of all i really wish that apple could do a better job at a better job at Letting apps like Reminders or Notes sync in the background all the time. So many times I open Notes or I open Reminders, and this is especially to, uh, true if you're trying to do a new setup of an iOS device. You open the app and then you see all the changes coming through. They very rarely happen fully in the background. And I wish that, that, that they could design a better experience for that. Um, but also... I want to ask, I guess, you guys and our listeners, do we still believe that even if it's not necessary, that it's good practice to do a clean install of iOS every couple of years? Because my question is, and, I, and I'm not sure if somebody has any way to double check this or to confirm this, the theory that iOS accumulates, you know, some sort of system junk or craft. craft over the years is that actually true because it really does seem to help there are people this is like i feel like this is one of those holy wars right where like people will tell you either way what they think about this my feeling is i don't do it okay because and my my feeling on this remains exactly the same as when the restore your phone meme was a thing a few years ago for me I don't feel like I should have to. Yes, you don't have to. I believe that the software should be... No, but like I don't feel like I should be penalized for doing this when Apple pushes it to me as their default experience, right? Like you're supposed to right. move from device to device. They have multiple mm -hmm. ways to bring the information over. So like I will never do it because I don't think I should have to do it. And I don't want to. I don't want to go through the aggravation of like 
trying to spend like a week trying to get these devices set this, the way they used to be. Like that's just I don't want to. But do then that. again, I just don't. First do time that. I haven't done the clean install on my iPad and the iPhone, and look what happened. All kinds of issues. No, but this happened. This happened to you during the beta. Like the something during the beta process messed this up for you. But why is it still happening? <laughs> because your iCloud account is messed up. Because you because you shoved a bunch of base sixty four through there and tore everything up <laughs> like, push, like a shredder you put it through the base sixty four shredder look I, I look th- we've known this from the past right from betas where if you get something if you do something on a beta with your iCloud account it can mess you up for a long period of time because something goes crazy in there and then that's just the way it is right like it just, which is why people always say don't use your actual accounts blah 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 blah. Uh, and that's, and I think that's the situation that you're in. Is you had something's corrupt somewhere, and that is that is the life that you're living now. It really feels to me like during this, especially this development cycle, but even previous ones, that Apple sort of loses sight of how important iCloud actually is. Like, if you really try to use an iOS or macOS device without iCloud, it's actually difficult. Like, there's so much that is tied to that now, and it feels like. That and I don't know, but it just feels like that doesn't have this sense of importance that it should in Apple's development. Like, do those people have a seat at the table when new features are being discussed, or does whoever's coming with the features? Oh yeah, well the iCloud team will figure that out. Like we're just going to shove it down their throats. It just the idea that you can break your iCloud account seemingly pretty easily, and it being basically impossible to fix. Like Federico, you had to start over with new iCloud accounts in the past. Like. That's unacceptable. Like, you, A, you don't hear about Google accounts doing that. I mean, and, and on Android, Google accounts are as important as iCloud is here. But Apple's got to be better at this stuff because they're making it deeper and more thoroughly integrated into everything they make. Yeah. And and for me specifically, the issues really seems to be notes. Because I started noticing all kinds of iCloud issues last week. Uh, so, for example, my iPad Pro running the public stable version of 13 could not complete iCloud backups anymore or it was not syncing reminders anymore. So I tried it all. I rebooted my device and what finally fixed it was I needed to sign out of iCloud and sign back in again and pull in all the changes. So imagine 22,000 photos from iCloud photo library and all of that from scratch. So it took a couple of days and now everything's fine. It can back up, um, messages are syncing, photos are syncing, reminders are syncing, except notes. And notes is also like, I love notes and I love, like, I really like using the app, but all these sync issues that happen time and time again for me, I really don't know how to fix them. I really don't know what to do. And it's a shame because I really want to use notes, but it keeps happening. What were you using instead, though? Yeah, Evernote? no, like, I tried Evernote. I give it a hun- I even <laughs> paid for Evernote. Bear? I don't want to use Bear because it's. it's Agenda? <sighs> I know, right? See, I know that you're saying this almost ironically or sarcastically, but... Like, no, I'm not. I'm actually legitimately asking I wouldn't you. use anything. I don't like anything else. <laughs> right, but, you, but if you... Like, what else are you going to... What, no, no notes? Are you going to no, go pen and paper? Keep what are you going to do? Notes and suffer. It's like, it's, it's, it's a toxic uh-huh. relationship that we have, me and notes, but it's uh, mm. my only option. That's why I have mm. a podcast. See, but... So I can do 
<laughs> but like the thing is, okay. The thing is, though, if you can't trust it, yeah, I know. Then what do you do? I know, I know. So what I'm what I've been doing is I've just been using notes on my phone because it has a, it has them all, and and I sort of okay. use my iPad in view mode when eventually it syncs the notes. Ugh. So I don't I don't create notes on my iPad. I know it's a, it's an absurd. Uh, predicament that i'm in right now it shouldn't have to be this way and hopefully you know maybe installing the beta of 13.2 will fix it my ipad does not have the beta and you know why my ipad pro is not running the beta because the beta um many of my shortcuts are crashing the shortcuts app in 13.2 beta so uh yeah i guess my my main point here is it would be nice every once in a while not to be on a beta. Not to... Just not doing it. Like, imagine, like, leaving the current version of iOS the entire summer and upgrading... Yeah, yeah like, like me. you. Like on my phone? I had no, do you know what? I had no problems yeah, with my phone this summer. That must be nice. Because I was on 12. I've had more problems since I upgraded to the stable version of the 13. Yeah, that must be nice. It is nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're, I feel like... But to bring this back around, I do still want to use reminders. Like, it's on my... It's just one of those things where I need to sit down and spend the best part of a day, right, going through Todoist. And I want to manually re-enter everything. I'm sure that there are tools that people have built, but, like, I will also see it as an opportunity to sit down and review all of my uh, currently outstanding tasks. And I want to... I want to, But to do that, I want to kind of get a good feeling from you both and i feel like i know from you federico that like you're very happy with reminders and it's working for mm. you um but i kind of wonder if you th- what no, was that um, yes i'm very happy with it and i'm using it i that does not mean that i don't have any complaints about it yeah oh no of course but i have you know everybody has complaints about all sorts of software i just wonder if like would you encourage me basically to 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 try it out i have a few questions before uh my recommendation. Okay. How much do you rely on sorting options? I, I don't because Todoist beat that out of me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just want all I care about is the next seven days in uh, in date order. Okay, so about. you don't you don't really want to like open a specific list and sort your tasks within that project. You don't do. No, I I actually never do that. I I never. I, all I care about, because I assign due dates to every task. Okay. All I ever care about is the next sort of seven days. So the the scheduled view of reminders would do the trick for you. Okay. Well. Um, yeah. Yeah, you should you should do it then. If if the, the scheduled view, I use it all the time. Mm. Um, my complaints were about, and I guess Stephen is probably going to bring this up. My complaints were about uh, the lack of sorting mm-hmm. options inside lists, inside projects. And the half-baked integration with shortcuts. But um, I think you should try it, Mike. I think you're going to like the subtasks. I think you're going to like the attachments. One possible point of frustration for you right now, if you want to use the attachments, you cannot attach PDF documents or spreadsheets to your tasks. 
Ah, uh, but I mean, I'm not doing that with Todoist. Okay, then. Well, you should you should try then. Yes. What I would tend to do, and probably what I will continue doing, is attaching links to those things. I know that. You know? I know that when you do research, you collect a lot of links, and you're using Apple Notes for your show notes for your podcasts and stuff like that. And I think you would really enjoy mm-hmm. having those rich links in reminders as well. I definitely so, would. I definitely would. I think you should. And that's one thing. You know, I've, I've, I was. I had that thing a couple of days ago. I spent a bunch of time in shortcuts. I was like, finally, I can build the shortcut I've always wanted because there's an append to note. Yep. But then I remembered, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It only appends yeah, just text. It doesn't append yeah. rich links. So. But yeah, uh, shortcuts. I would love that. Just append. When I want to append to note, if it's a URL, make it a, a rich URL. Like, I don't just want a text. Don't we I, all. I love the rich URLs. But I think I, I think I want to try because you know what I really want to be able to easily like try adding reminders with Siri. Yes, yes, I would like that. Um, so you know, it's, it's little things like that, or you know, that that remind me about this. You know, when you you you're looking at a piece of content and you say to Siri, that, yeah, that's that shipped right. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, remind me about this on. Like and then it will put it in reminders. I want to try all that stuff out, but I know I'm only really going to try it properly if I actually move everything to it. But I've just—it's one of those things that I've just yet to do. But now it's out, and I think all of the weirdness would have calmed down. It's—I've mm. read your chapter about it, and it's made me want it even more. And so I'm like—I'm uh, thinking about doing it. But I just wanted to—I wanted to double check that now you're on the other side of this that you weren't changing your mind. Based on what you replied, uh, I think you should try it. Um, take a few days, move your stuff over and um, set up a few lists, maybe a few groups for related lists and use the scheduled view. Um, learn to use drag and drop inside the app. And um, my suggestion would be to, to set up a few shortcuts either in the widget or the home screen uh, to quickly get to specific lists or like, for example, for example, one of the things that you can do with, with reminders because it's built in, you can create a widget. Uh, I have two uh, that shows you a subset of your reminders. So for context, I have two widgets uh, on my iPad. One is called personal tasks and the other is called work tasks. And all it does is it fetches reminders from specific lists. All it does, it shows me... Uh-huh tasks from my personal lists so like grocery shopping uh family those like non-work reminders lists and the other one it shows me tasks from podcast mac stories club mac stories finance all that kind of stuff so it's a very easy easy way for me Mm. to filter reminders right from the home screen it's it's two actions and it's super it's what you can do with reminders um so play yeah yeah I want to try it. I, I really, it's been on my mind and I really want to try it. Uh, I have to try and live without Gboard, so I'm going to have to try that too because the, the we spoke about this on the podcast, the, the uh, all of the natural language stuff doesn't work with the party keyboards because yeah. you need the quick type bar. Um, so mm-hmm. I need to try, I need to like also decouple myself from that uh, and then I can maybe, maybe go for it. There's a, there's an item in reminders that may kill it for me. And uh, I filed some feedback, but if you have a list of tasks sorted by due date, 
mm-hmm. tasks with no due date, so it's undated tasks, yeah. appear at the top of the list ahead of upcoming dates. And I, I talk about this a lot. I sort each of my projects by due date. And a lot of projects have tasks without due date, something that I need to do in the future. Nope. I just want to park yep. them there. Right, okay. And putting them ahead of things, uh, putting a task with no due date ahead of a task of a due date of two days from now is insane. No, what, what I think is insane is that uh, every list sorts your tasks by creation date. So to give you an example, my one of my lists right now, and I'm going to give you the tasks in order. The first one is due okay. February 1st, 2020. The second one is due tomorrow. The third one is due tomorrow. The fourth <laughs> one is due today. The fifth one is due today. <laughs> so like, well, well, and there's no option to sort a list by due date at all. Like if you tap the ellipsis button, um, it doesn't show you, it, it doesn't contain any sort option. And I know that this is creation date because the the first one, the first task, the one due in 2020 is delete Evernote subscription, which I set up months ago when I moved from, from Evernote to Apple Notes. So I, I think it's, it's, this is a very perplexing decision to not have any sorting feature. I mean, the same, the same app that has subtasks does not have sorting options. To, Todoist does this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. On iOS, by default, it it sorts by creation date, not by due date. So again, I'm very used to it. And one of the reasons I don't look at sp- lists of specific projects because I know that that is useless information yeah. for me. Yeah. So the schedule view, the schedule view should be nice though. Who 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 runs their life like this? No, nobody who's on top of things. Wait. So on iOS, you can't set a sort li- a sort order. And remind you can do it on the Mac. No, you can't on iOS. <laughs> it's it's just good grief. Come on, reminders team. You rebuilt an application and you put different features <laughs> well, on different platforms. I want this to be good, but it's just I, mean, I don't think it's going to be for me yet. The, the, the sorting stuff is critical the way that I think. It's it's no different to my current system, so I'm still going to try it because I'm still excited about it. I still think it looks like a really good system for the basics and then beyond and i really want to try uh, an application that can be so tied my my current plea to Mm -hmm. the reminders team is sorting options inside lists file attachments that go beyond jpegs so let me attach a pdf let me attach a zip archive and rework your shortcuts integration because right now the shortcuts actions for reminders are based on reminders for iOS 12. They do not support any of the new features. So the new URL field, not supported. Um, Groups for lists, not supported. Or um, subtasks. What about natural language? Well, um, that you you can create using the date action of shortcuts. And it it should work. Like if you right, okay, you can sort of fake that. You can fake that basically and use a magic variable. Okay, and uh, subtasks as well. You you can so basically the new sh- the new reminders features of thirteen are not built in shortcuts at all. So they should update those. All right, we've got a couple more things to get through, but I want to tell you about our second sponsor. That is FreshBooks. If you're a freelancer. You want to get 192 hours back. Our friends at FreshBook can help with that. 
due to their super simple cloud accounting software. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes over 10 million people, including me, to deal with our paperwork. FreshBooks uh, invoicing system is super intelligent. It can automate late payment email reminders, so you can spend less time chasing payments, you know, uh, hollering at people as they drive by your office, holding a sign out their window saying, please pay me. FreshBooks can do all that for you, so you can get back to doing actual work. And if you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether or not they've seen it or not. So if they don't tell the truth, you know what's really going on. If you're listening to this and you're a freelancer and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. They are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com connected and enter the code connected in the how did you hear about us section. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, moving right along, gentlemen. Our next tiny topic, because we're still in that area, is uh, Mike's new iMac Pro. Mike, how's your new computer? Mike has a new computer? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> uh-huh. Mike ordered a new computer on September the 30th. Mike ordered that computer because connected listeners. Can, we, can you stop talking about yourself in third person? Like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to scream. Please, please keep going. Right. I, I quite okay. enjoy it. I, I ordered it uh, on September 30th. Listeners of Connected may remember me talking about wanting to order this computer before Catalina came out because I, I, I wanted to get an iMac Pro. But I'm going to replace my 2015 iMac. A member of the family really desperately needs a computer. Um, so I'm able to shuffle this one down, replace it with a, a brand new iMac Pro. Um, and I didn't care if Apple revved it this year because it was already so much more powerful than uh, that was it. And all I wanted was not to have Catalina on my machine. So on September 30th, I placed my order. The order is still processing. It is not shipped yet. I am worried now that the literal only reason that I ordered this machine when I did, which was to avoid Catalina, is going to come to bite me very badly as this machine may come with Catalina on it. And it's supposed to arrive between the 14th and 21st of October. That's what I've been told. Considering it's not shipped yet from... I don't know where it was shipped from. Like, I don't know where these things are actually going to be made. Like, I don't know if it's in China or if it's in Europe somewhere. I don't think it's going to arrive on Monday. So, I'm very nervous right now that this machine that I have ordered is going to have Catalina on it. It is not the worst thing in the world. And if that is what happens, then I guess I'm just going to have to use it. But I didn't want to, right? As people may know, I like to try and stay uh, a little bit behind the most recent release because I don't like to change things on my production machine if I don't have to. So I'm, I'm very nervous right now. And I want to know if this machine is not hardware re- revised, right? Let's assume mm-hmm. that they're considering we haven't heard anything about mm-hmm. an event. No event has been announced. It is very unlikely that there is going to be an event next week, right? Not next week, but maybe by the end of the month. Right, but they're telling me that my machine will ship between the 14th and 21st, so it should ship next week. Right, okay. 
I would expect the likelihood of a, a hardware revision on the iMac Pro to be unlikely. Also, I don't expect that Apple are holding my machine personally so they can give me a newer one, right? Like, I don't believe that that's what's happening. So I don't expect that they are hardware revising the iMac Pro because you can currently buy a non-build to order and it can arrive the next day, right? Like, I can buy one today and it can get here tomorrow and it's a non-build to order machine, right? So if they're not going to revise the hardware, but it arrives with Catalina on it, can I do anything about that? It depends on if they do any sort of like silent revision. So uh, let me back up a little bit. I actually am not sure I agree with you that just because you can buy a non-optioned one, that there's not a revision coming. It may be that those were on the channel already. They build these on demand. So maybe they're like mid-ramp to some sort of update. Why would you do that, though? Like, why would you say that to me? Because it's it could be the truth. And I'm not, I don't want to lie to you. You can clearly tell I'm upset. Like, I don't know why <laughs> you would now of all times decide to tell me that. Why would you tell me that? I don't know. It, it may be, too. So it may be that they're, they're not revving all of it, but there's going to be like a new option for a video card or something. I don't know. Or it may just be that the guy who builds custom iMac Pros is on vacation and you'll get it when he comes back. I don't know. It, it really depends on the on the machine's uh, firmware, if it will run Mojave or not. So I think when you get it and it has Catalina on it out of the box. If. If. If it does. Because even if it ships on Monday, it wouldn't necessarily have Catalina on it anyway, right? Like it could still have whatever Yosemite or whatever. I don't even know what it is anymore. Mojave. High Yosemite. Yosemite. Which one is it? Yeah. Uh, Panther is the one you're thinking of. Ah, okay, good. If it has Panther on out of the box, call me because I'm going to come make a YouTube video about it. If it has Mojave on the box, obviously you're set. If it has Catalina... You may be able to go back or not. You could you could compare like the firmware vision with mine, for instance, which is an original. Or you can uh, you downloaded the Mojave installer, right? So mm-hmm. that's good to go. I have that. And you could just try booting it from the Mojave installer and see if it'll install. It will tell you if it can't. So okay, that's that. So I could just and if try it can't, you yeah, you just try it. And it won't. It will not let you install something that won't be supported. So. You may have to go in and turn the T2 security stuff off to install an older version of macOS, but it should work. Okay, But I can turn it back on again if I did that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like a setting in the startup thing. I mean, I know this isn't the worst thing because we have a similar setup. Jason Snow has a similar setup to me as well, right? Like hardware-wise, my most important things will work. But I would prefer to just not go to Catalina yet, especially because, like, we're going to talk about Catalina shortly. The general reception to it has not been good, right? It's mixed at best. Yes. I don't <laughs> I don't install uh, new op- versions of the operating system when they are positive, right? <laughs> like, I just don't do it when I can avoid it. And so this is like, maybe not the greatest version. I don't know if everything that I have will work, right? Like I I don't even know yet because I haven't bothered looking because I wasn't planning on upgrading. I would just would prefer to not have to have it. But I care more about this machine than I do about Catalina. So if I have to run Catalina, I will. But it would just be some real dramatic irony if the whole reason I bought this machine now 
was because of this and then it doesn't work because like who knows i could have gone off the reservation i could have like completely just gone wild and got the new a new macbook pro and the lg monitor and run my life that way who knows i any option i could have bought a mac pro any option could have been available to me but i went with the imac pro now because i wanted a powerful machine that i could buy now with mojave on it uh and then funnily enough now look where i am yeah so that's the ballad of the iMac Pro. It's weird that it's still pending. Uh, they, uh, that's for a reason. I don't know how long these things typically take, right? And like, Not that long. I don't know if like... It should be a couple of days. For all I know, my iMac is in the air from China to Ireland. And they just don't bother telling me that yet because it hasn't technically shipped to me, right? Did you, did you buy it through a store? Yes. You should just contact them and be like, hey, have you heard any updates? Maybe they know. That's not a bad idea because there, I do have this weird thing where like, you know, on the Apple retail site, you try and log in, right, to, to get more information. I can't do that mm-hmm. because they're using an email address that I use for business that I don't have an iCloud account attached to, hmm. right? Like I emailed them from an email address, which I use for this type of stuff, but it's not my iCloud address. So I can't sign in with an Apple ID to check more information about the order. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'll do that. I might give it another day or two and then I'll email the store and just say like, hey, what's going on? Uh, there's a one a final tiny topic of the episode. Uh, Apple have seemingly even more officially, even more delayed <sighs> iCloud folder sharing. So the macOS <sighs> Catalina features page uh, now says that iCloud folder sharing will be coming this spring. The iOS 13 page still says later this fall. Um, so that's that. I mean, I, get, I guess we can expect at least on the Mac, but it, maybe it just means Apple hasn't updated the iOS page yet, which is more what I'm inclined to feel about this so this is um icloud file sharing exists right now and has for a while so i can take a file and share it with federico and it will exist in both of our icloud drives but icloud folder sharing would say i could share a connected folder with the two of you and then we could use that in theory instead of dropbox which i know people are excited about um, but it seems like that's not the case and i wanted to ask either of you if you it have has this feature ever existed during the beta process and if it has have you used it yeah, it existed and I used it. And it was mostly hit or either miss, really. Like, it's, it worked. Like, I was able to share a folder a folder with Ryan and we we used it to share files for the Adapt recordings. Yeah. But, like, especially towards the end, like, the, the, the final betas that had the feature enabled... Like I would upload a file and it would say the file was uploaded and shared in the shared folder, but Ryan wouldn't see the file at all. That's good. So, yeah, that, like it started out with a lot of potential and then it progressively got worse over the course of a few yeah, betas. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that they pulled it, but it did exist and I did use it and then it disappeared. It was not perfect. It was not. It was not great. So it's the kind of feature that Apple needs to absolutely get right, and I and I'm guessing that part of the uh, work required to get folder sharing to work involved the new involved the updated iCloud Drive file format, which, as we all know, was the 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 very 
um, the, the functionality causing all kinds of issues for people uh, with disappearing files or files getting stuck. Um, and that forced Apple to revert the iCloud Drive format back again during the iCloud, during the iOS and iPadOS beta season. So Apple has been going back and forth on these new iCloud Drive features, the second one being pinned files. So the idea of uh, if you pin a file, you're always going to be able to keep it offline. So even if it's stored on a cloud service, you will always find it uh, downloaded locally on your device. Um, that feature plus folder sharing required a new iCloud Drive file format. Uh, Apple has been testing this new format on iOS, iPadOS, and Catalina. I'm pretty sure that Catalina still has it, or at least had it in one of the betas. Apple reverted the format back again during the Catalina beta. And uh, I'm pretty sure that we mentioned, maybe on the show, or at least we got an email from a listener uh, suggesting how... um, reverting the these file formats back and forth is really the only way for Apple to test the migration process. Um, especially now with betas, the only way, you know, there's not going to be anybody, or at least it's going to be very difficult for Apple to find developers with that are, you know, that want to use the developer beta that are still running uh, Mojave or iOS 12 at this point. So the only solution to test this migration between different file formats is to change it multiple times during the beta season so at least those developers will be able to experience the migration process that the final user will see Um, so i'm not surprised that this is all happening later next year because this stuff takes time and apple is now it's apparently not great at dealing with these file system changes um, it's a bummer, uh, especially because folder sharing is one of the features, if not the feature, that people want to use uh, if they want to move from Dropbox and embrace iCloud Drive. It's something that on the surface is so basic and obvious as being able to share a folder is still not available for iCloud Drive users. And that's a disappointment. But um, I would rather wait than have a feature that's that is only semi-functioning and loses my files or doesn't share them at all with other people. I don't think that this will ship in 13. I think it'll be 14. Interesting theory. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's it's it, they haven't done it yet. It's going too far. I feel like by the time we get to the fall, if they can't hit that date, which we have no reason to think that they would, right? Like, because at the moment they haven't been able to to hit it, right? Like they've, they keep missing dates on it. So there's, it's one of those like, this is an infinite time scale type situation that they have right now on their hands, right? Like, th- who knows, right? They haven't been able to do it yet. They keep missing the dates that they're setting for themselves, which means that it's a very complicated thing to do, and they're struggling to get it perfect. So I wouldn't be surprised if they then just push it. I uh, I do think at some point, like if if it's not this fall, I think you're probably right. Like, do you see them releasing a big iOS feature in February or March? And they did it one time, mm-hmm. but that's not the normal at this point. We want to talk about Catalina. Yes, please. Talk, speaking about things that have shipped or not shipped, well, let's talk about that. But first, I'm going to tell you about our third sponsor, that is Bombus. 
If you can't remember the last time you refreshed your sock drawer, you know, you open it, it's a bunch of sad socks from college still hanging out in there. It's time for an upgrade. And Bombas socks are made for people who love comfort, like arch support, a seamless toe, a cushioned footbed. These, uh, it's all sock speak, you know, fancy sock language for the socks that are just super comfortable. They come in hundreds of colors and styles, making them perfect for men, women, and kids. Bombas has a new lines of merino wool socks made from soft, warm, and naturally moisture-wicking wool. They'll keep you cool and dry on your morning run and stay comfortable in your office's freezing air conditioning. These socks are simply ready for anything. And for every pair of socks you buy, Bombas will donate a pair to someone in need, which is super cool. So you can be part of something good when refreshing your sock drawer. I have a bunch of their ankle length socks and it really is amazing. They can be comfortable in a hot summer day, but then you go inside and it's cold and they're still comfortable. I've never had socks that do that, but Bombas, they really hold up to that promise. Visit bombas.com slash connected and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash connected for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash connected. Our thanks to Bombas for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So Mac OS Catalina has been out a few days now, and I want to point people to a couple things. One, I wrote a review on 512 Pixels. John wrote a great review on Mac Stories. Jason wrote a review on Six Colors. I really think it's worth reading all three because they are all pretty different from each other. John goes into detail on some things that I don't, that Jason and I differ on opinion in a few places. Uh, there's also a special bonus episode of Mac Power Users, MPU 504, that I view really as a companion piece to my review. So I think the MPU episode and my review are like two sides of a coin. There, David and I got really deep into some stuff that we're not going to get into here. That's a whole like hour and 45 minutes of us talking about it. Uh, here with y'all, I just want to talk a little bit about the high-level stuff. So go check out that MPU uh, episode. I also updated the Aqua Screenshot library. And I want to share with y'all just a little behind the scenes of what goes in into that. So the uh, Screenshot library, if you haven't seen it somehow, it is a collection on my site of screenshots of major features of every version of macOS starting with the public beta. At some point, I want to add the developer betas. I haven't done that because the machine I need to run that is broken, but public beta and forward. So the public beta folder in my Dropbox has 66 items, and it's 32 megs, right? They're low-res images. They're not that many of them. Catalina is uh, one gigabyte, almost exactly, and it is 295 items, Yes. <laughs> Mac OS has gotten bigger <laughs> over time. And obviously the screenshots are a lot bigger because of Retina. But it, this is an ambitious project that past even <laughs> maybe have estimated <laughs> how much time would take. But people enjoy it. I like making them. I like having them. It's really cool to me when I see these screenshots show up in articles by like people because I don't – well, A, I don't have a copyright on them because they're it's <laughs> Apple software. But I don't watermark them or anything. But, you know, I know my screenshots. I know how I set them up. And sometimes uh, I'm like reading an article by somebody like, oh, I made that image <laughs> and it shows up, which is cool. So th those are all there. And then I also updated my 5K wallpaper page, which is now is like an outdated title because the new ones are in 6K to support the Pro Display XDR. But uh, those are there as well. 
Catalina has eight wallpapers because the auto theme can move throughout them throughout the day. That's nice. This was actually true in Mojave. Uh, Mojave had 14 images, and I didn't have all of them on the page. I just had the, the day and night ones. But for Catalina, I wanted to show all of them, so I went back to Mojave and grabbed those. So you can see those on that page now. And um, just like always, you can download them full res. So I see these as iPad wallpapers and people's phones and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. So uh, that has all been done as well. It's a very busy couple of weeks <laughs> getting all this ironed out. Um, remind me, I thought, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, and that's perfectly fine. I thought there was a way to compare your screenshots across years, like per thing. So I have that. Someone built that for me in WordPress months ago. And so I have that functionality. The problem I have now is basically tagging all of those in a way where they build in the right order is proving more difficult than I thought. Right. I mean, look, over the uh, six, 17 releases that I cover, uh, there are over 2,200 images. Yeah, because I just want to look at how your hairstyles have changed uh, over the period of time that you've been doing it. I do want to build that. I have the functionality in WordPress. It's really like a time issue and like a data entry deal. The files are all named pretty consistently, but because there's 2,000 of them, 2,200 of them, they're not all perfect. And some things change names over time. So like, but I've, I've been unable to commit the time to that. But I do have the functionality. I do want to do that. If not for every screenshot, at least for a selection of them, because I think it's interesting to see how, in particular, something like system preferences changes over time because that's sort of the window into a lot of other features in mac os yeah because i mean it's great what you've built but that adds an additional level of of like usefulness right like it is to, to, and i know you know this like it's totally like a cool thing to have as well as just seeing what things look like over a specific release but anyway so i read your review today very good and there was one thing that i kind of really felt from reading it is that with catalina apple are doing three things which are very strange when you see them all together. They are letting go of the past, looking to the future, but overlooking the current future, which is Catalyst, for the future future, which is Swift UI. Because it feels like they wanted to push to something, but Catalyst is not where it needs to be. And one of the reasons for that may be because Swift UI is better. And we were worried that that was going to be the case. And everything that we've seen about Catalyst this week, or which is now Mac Catalyst, would kind of seem to suggest that. And we have some more that we want to talk about with Catalyst in a bit, which we'll get to. But that was kind of the feeling that I got from from reading uh, your review. Does that sound completely wild, what I've just said, other than the way I phrased it? I think that is accurate, but I think there's a there's more to it than just that. So... Mac Catalyst, which Apple's calling it now. Like, I don't know when they made that change, but that's what they're calling it. Mac Catalyst is pitched as, hey, do a little bit of work. Your iPad app will come to the Mac. But in practice, and James Thompson has a really good blog post up today. Actually, we'll put it in the show notes that you should go read. The work that it actually takes to make that happen is more than Apple sort of sold it as, which is understandable, right? Like they're on stage at WBC, you don't have much time. So there's that. It's a lot of work. The business model is kind of screwy. So if you pay for an iOS app, you have to pay again for the Mac app. And some developers would do that, but some wouldn't. And there's no options there. They have to pay again because the, the app ID can't be the same. 
If you have in-app purchases, those are really hard to bring over. Uh, that's all complicating it too. And on top of all of that, Apple just didn't document Catalyst very well. There's actually very little developer documentation. I've spoken to developers who have looked at it. I've looked through it. And I'm not a developer, but like just the volume of information out there from Apple about Mac Catalyst is dwarfed by what's out there for SwiftUI. And all of that makes me feel like Apple may view Catalyst as like just a temporary fix until everyone moves to Swift UI, which will let, allow a developer I'm boiling a lot of complexity down to one sentence to write one app that runs everywhere, that runs on watch, Mac, TV, iOS, iPad OS. That's not today. That's not this week. Like that's not anytime soon. And so Catalyst is kind of here to say, hey, you have an iPad app, bring it to the Mac. And I think Apple's doing a disservice to its user base and its developers if they just let leave this half-baked. Because SwiftUI is a long way down the road. And I think they risk poisoning the well of SwiftUI if Catalyst is bad, like for developers. So if you're an iPad developer, you're looking at the Mac, you're not going to go to SwiftUI anytime soon. And Catalyst is a bad experience. You may be tempted to write the Mac off indefinitely. And that's not, that's the opposite of what Apple's trying to do, right? Apple wants to bring good iPad apps to the Mac. And we can talk about some some that we've used. There are already reviews of several uh, that are actually pretty good. And some aren't very good and some are really bad, but, you know, that's how these things go. There was, you know, a lot of concern about security uh, aspects and what Apple are doing there and how they're cutting off applications and really kind of tightening up Gatekeeper and permissions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you showed an example of installing Transmit um, in your review and what that did to your machine. But now people are putting it on their actual machines. Things are going bananas. And there was a blog post written by Tyler Hall called macOS 10.15 Vista. And it's just, <laughs> it shows a screenshot, which is horrible, right? Like the the, the mm -hmm. first run experience and his screen is just full of pop-ups. Well, to be fair to Catalina... Tyler screenshot, like, so I installed it on Mary's MacBook Air last night because she wanted reminders. And you, unless you have a bunch of stuff opening at login, you don't get all of these at once. I think this image is things that ha he ran it for a little while and kind of arranged all the windows so it looks worse than it actually is. Well, but what if you turn, when you turn your computer on, you have like me to restore the state of your last session? Yeah, then you're going to get this, I guess. But actually, I don't know if that takes place after an install. I think it breaks. Right, but like, look, if you look at some of the stuff that's on his screen here, you've got Bartender, Hazel, Alfred, Keyboard Maestro, Plex. These are all applications that lots of people use that open at login. Right. And they're built to open a mm -hmm. login, like not even just right. restoring the state. So like it feels like it, that they're not necessarily trying to create a screenshot situation that would be good to write this article. You know, and like these are all applications that kind of by design you have open immediately. So there will be lots of people that would have had an experience like this. My screen would have looked like this because I have, I think, all of those things, or at least enough of those applications open and at launch that would would do this exact same thing to me. The the worst part the worst part of this image is that it shows um, all these dialogues requesting access to your desktop or your documents or your downloads folders, and that to me is the worst offender in this case. Um, Apple should have designed the system so that 
if you're updating from Mojave to Carolina, it treats any previous interaction with those apps as an implicit permission. So if I've used Acorn or Alfred before and I have manually saved a file uh, to the downloads folder, don't ask me again. Because it's too late now, isn't it, Apple? Like, you can't walk into this and be the superhero when I've been using this application for years. It should have been able to look at your previous interactions. And maybe it's the kind of feature that should have been added quietly, even before in Mojave. So start building some sort of log of... Uh, you know the interactions that the user has had uh, with this specific with with apps requesting access to the file system, so that when it's time to upgrade from Mojave to Carolina, don't ask me if I want Alfred to access my documents folder because I've used Alfred in the documents folder hundreds of times before, and the system should know this. So don't ask me again. Um, one of the one of the one a really good example of uh, implicit permission that I can think about this year is the new is the updated shortcuts app. So in the new shortcuts app, everything is gated by a permission prompt. Um, individual shortcuts request access to individual apps and um, remote servers, for example. But if you manually drag in an action from the action library into the shortcuts editor you're not going to get the permission prompt because the the fact that you are physically holding down on the display and dragging, say, a reminders action into the editor, that's treated as an implicit permission that shortcuts should have access to your reminders app. That is logical security to me, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I'm sure that not everybody agrees with that. Sure. But to me... That makes perfect sense as to why you would, why it would work that way. Like I, as the user, am making a choice, and this this screenshot is is a nightmare. Like upgrading your operating system and being presented with twenty alerts for things that you've done before is just insane. Right, because here's the thing: it fails at what it's intending to do. Because I'm just going to say yes to all of that. Yep. Because I don't want to deal with that. That's exactly right. It is like I know the Vista joke is a joke, or like, but like, did nobody learn? Is it from that experience? Because this was the same stuff. Like, this was what Microsoft went through was that they went through all this work, they upset their users, and ultimately did not achieve what they wanted because people paid less attention to security dialog boxes as a result. And, like, isn't that what this is doing? Especially when, like, as a Mac user, this is a jarring experience to me because it's all happening all of a sudden, and I've never had anything like this before. And they don't do anything to uh, combine them. So one of the suggestions in my review was, give me a panel that shows uh, Transmit wants to access your desktop downloads or whatever else it was, and... uh, let me select them all, all there in one window, as opposed to giving me three or four back to back, because it's just it's overwhelming. It really is. And like, why would I, why would I not, like, why would I let it access my documents folder but not my downloads folder anyway? Like, why would I make that distinction? Who's making that distinction? Whoa! Don't let it near the downloads. Well, whatever you do, like, oh, woo, so John dodged a bullet there. 
Allow Alfred access my documents only, never the downloads folder. What are you, what? Are yeah. you insane? Like, who's making that distinction? And I didn't get into it. Safari 13 asked, do you want to download files from this website? Like, it, it's just, it, it is slowly, like, just nagging you to death. And I understand that Apple wants to make the Mac more secure. I get that. I'm not sure this is the way to do it. Because like you guys said, people are just going to ignore these after the first day. Put the effort in. Because there's no effort in these dialogue boxes. Yeah, exactly. You're not explaining anything to me. Like, what, what happens when I hit the question mark? Do you know? So it's a question mark and you should use dialogues. What does it take me to? Uh, I don't remember. Right, but like... I don't have a, I don't have a Catalina machine in here with me at the be moment. Be more friendly to me as the user. Why are you... Why is this even a problem? I don't know from what you're telling me. The other solution I suggested was if you are logged in as an administrator, like probably everyone listening is... Don't show me these. Just show me these if I'm a standard user. I may not mm. understand as much as an admin is going to use. Like I choose to log into my computer as a local administrator. Yep, yep. I don't need my handheld about using my own downloads folder. I just don't. You know, these screenshots really show how many things it is, but it's also if you access your contacts, your iCloud Drive, your calendar. Like it, it's a pretty long list. And it's just, uh, I think it's like we were attempting to make the Mac more secure, but I don't know. I don't think it actually does. I have no doubt that in the long run it makes a difference, but the the problem is the upgrading user, which is everyone, right at this point, because they they aren't. I don't think you can even go to uh, nobody is using Catalina right now, having never used a Mac before, because I don't think any of their machines are shipping with it right now. So, like every single person that uses Catalina sees something like this. It may not be to this degree, but they see something like this. This should not have happened to existing applications that you're running on your yep. system. That was a bad decision that yep. they made. Um, and, and I don't know why they made that decision. Because you run in any actual environment, Catalina, and this happens. So even if you only had three applications that did this to you, but they did it to you at the time that you logged in, like mm. it's wild to me. That, that this is this is the way to, that it shipped in it because it's it even just things like one application shows you three dialog boxes none of those dialog boxes have any context why did it ship that way it's 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 perple- very perplexing to me you know I, i've been thinking about this um i think that so security obviously and authentication these are complicated topics and they are complicated to engineer they are complicated to explain but I think for security to be effective, and maybe this sounds a little too simplistic, but bear with me. For security to be effective, it needs to be used. And for security, for good security practices to be used, they need to be nice. They need to be elegant. They need to be clear. Just, do a, just compare, for example, these dialogues, these alerts with other security features that I think Apple did an excellent job in designing and explaining to people. Two examples, two-factor authentication and iCloud Keychain. Those are complicated features, but they are super nice. Two-factor authentication, you get a little map, and then you can tap OK, and you get a code, and it's a couple of taps to solve a problem that is super super difficult and super challenging. iCloud Keychain... It removes the complexity out of generating secure passwords and storing them and coming up with a username 
and finding it again, and it's integrated with the keyboard, it's super nice. And I bet the millions of people are using that. And that's the way to design security features. I know that, you know, it, it's very easy if you're an engineer to get carried away with the minutiae of these things, with the details. And these alerts, these are alerts designed by engineers. They are not alerts designed by designers. They are not nice. They are not humane. Or they are it, maybe it's better to say these were alerts designed in a vacuum. Yes. If you are designing an alert, that you expect will not be bombarding a user, you design it like that. It's not a nice experience. And I know that if you're a security engineer, you're going to say, oh, well, I mean, who cares about being nice? It needs to be secure. Yes, it also needs to be nice because it's a consumer feature and Apple is a con computer consumer company. It's not a security company. And you need to, you know, if you work at Apple and you work in security, you need to understand that being nice is just as important as being secure. Because if it's not a nice experience, people are just not going to care and they're not going to use it and they're just going to click OK and they're not going to know what it means. So is it really more secure if it's not nice? So that's my, that's my principle. I think it's a really good point, Federico. I really do. Uh, let's get away from this. There's a few other things. Uh, okay. Sidecar. I did not know the Apple Pencil was required for Sidecar. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the green stoplight button gets the sidecar controls. I saw that you weren't a fan of it. I don't know why. Uh, like, no, who uses that button? Who uses the green button in the stoplight? Is anyone using that button? Probably not. Give but it some use again. It, it breaks. So uh, when they added full screen mode to the Mac UI in Lion or sometime in there, they added like the double arrows on the right side of the window. You can find that in the screenshot library, this like double ended arrow thing. And it was super weird. And they eventually added full screen to the the stoplight button. But the way that it works, like this just feels like an add-on, like a, a kind of a tacky one. I think I don't like the way it looks. It feels odd to me. So, I mean, look, maybe they can uh, improve that. It also makes sidecar like really front and center. And I, I just don't know how popular sidecar is going to be. Even, uh, even for someone like me, I, I have not found myself using it much in the beta. Yeah, I, I understand that. I like this quote from, from your article. Uh, a paired Apple Watch can now be used to approve app installations, unlock secured system preference panes, and view locked content in notes. That's a lot, by the way. Uh, I'm starting to think we're not going to get Touch ID on a desktop or Face ID anywhere on the Mac anytime soon. I think this is a very astute point, and I think you're completely correct. Like, why would you add all of that, which is stuff that Touch ID and Face ID is for? Uh, if Touch ID mm -hmm. or Face ID were, were like expanding out anytime soon to other uh, devices other than the laptops. I'd love to be wrong about that, but I, just, I don't think I am. Um, Benjamin Mayo from 9to5Mac pointed out that on in the UK, uh, the trash is now called bin, which I think, I'm, <laughs> honestly, if if my Mac iMac Pro arrives with Catalina on it, uh, I'll be happy because it will say bin now instead of trash. So I'm happy <laughs> about that. It's a big change. Yeah. It's been trash forever. I, I do want to, before we leave entirely, I do just want to mention the uh, the 32-bit app deal because they're, oh, yeah. they're gone. Oh, yeah. uh, something that wasn't in the initial review, but I added it the next day, is that the Catalina installer will warn you about any 32-bit apps that won't run. Oh, that's good. 
but oh, I, it doesn't seem to be a complete list. And I'm having trouble verifying this, but it seems like if there are apps that have 32-bit calls or like they're not pure 64-bit, it doesn't seem to catch them. So like to this day, like Adobe CC and some of its stuff, like the apps run, but things are broken in them. And it didn't catch that on on that test system, even though it had Photoshop installed. So I still think it's worth going and downloading Go64 just to make sure and checking with any... Uh, major apps in your workflow, like just just check that they're ready to go because you don't want to get um, you don't want to get caught off guard with this. Yeah, I mean that feature isn't for our listeners anyway, but you know what I mean. Like that's that's for like people who sure. haven't used or don't have any idea why Go sixty four would exist, right? But like I uh-huh. I think we spoke about like it would be good if they did that, and I am pleased that they did do that, right? So people can make the decision before they go all in and maybe make a mistake. So, uh, so yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a good release with some rough edges. And I think that uh, historically, like, like in hindsight, we're going to really view this as uh, a big step forward. And I think the pain points will kind of fade, fade over time, Mm -hmm. Uh, as long as you don't require (laughs) three two bit apps in your workflow, because those are, those are gone. Catalina. Whoa! I'm kind of uh, ready for this cycle, new cycle to be over. We got a lot of stuff the last couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. it's all very exhausting. No, nah, well, news cycles means that we have things to talk about. That's true, and we don't have to work too hard to come up with stuff because we can just talk about what's happening rather than thinking about like dreaming up entertaining things. Well, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about, Catalina? I feel like that those are the high points. No, I think that's it. It's a, the last thing is Catalyst, but I think we will probably have quite a lot to say about that. Um, so maybe we should hold that for next week because spoiler alert, we're pre-recording an episode because both me and Steven are away next week. So we're recording again in a couple of days. So we have to have things to talk about. So Catalina will be it. Uh, Catalyst. And I want a few more days to spend time with apps that are built on it. I mean, there are several coming out now a day Mm -hmm. and it'll be good to give those a few more days to see what else comes out. Yeah. All right. If you want to find show notes this week, stuff we talked about, head over to the website that is relay.fm slash connected slash 264. While you're there, you can get in touch via email or you can do so on Twitter. You can follow Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. And Mike is the host of a bunch of shows here on Relay. Federico, of course, is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. And you can find him on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. <clears throat> You can follow me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, ExpressVPN, FreshBooks, and Bombas. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.